All right. What is worship? That's our opening question this morning. What is worship? Yeah. Normally, when people think of worship, right, yeah. we think of in a building of some sort. Yeah, like you said, coming together, whole congregation. Yeah. What else? A gathering of Christians, mm-hmm. same mind, same thoughts. Yeah. Coming for one thing to, you know, yeah. honor and worship Christ and God. Honor and worship Christ. Yeah. So that's kind of drives us to the point mm-hmm. of worship. All right, so praise, adoration, usually. Um, all right, I got some other questions I'll ask in just a little bit. Is love a component of worship? Is love a component of worship? I would say yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think according to Christian perspective on worship, I think so. You can love something that you don't worship, right? Like you love your dog, you love your kids, you love your family. But I don't think, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think you can worship something that you don't love. It feels weird to say you hate this thing, but you still worship it. I, you know, like, that would feel weird. Yeah. On the other hand, at least according to a Christian perspective, I think that's right. Typical people in the ancient world, so Bible times, they didn't think that you needed to love whatever deity you worshipped. All that was generally required was just performance of proper sacrifices and rituals. And according to this mindset, that was sufficient to please the deity or at least appease them for whatever they would have been angry about. Now think about that for a minute. People typically in the ancient world that didn't necessarily love the deities that they worshipped, they would just go about doing the proper sacrifices and offering the right offerings and things like that. What important group of people in the Bible tended to treat God this way? Pharisees? Definitely. Think Old Testament, too. Yeah. The Israelites? A lot of times, yeah. The Israelites. Did that go over well with God? Was he happy about that? (laughs) No, he wasn't. All right. Why does God command exclusive devotion to him? Why does God say me and no one else? What do you think? Wow, that was literally the second thing that I have on him. He alone is creator. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's creator, okay. That's a good point there. I like that. Yeah, you, your loyalties are divided if you are worshiping God and, you know, from the Old Testament, you know, Baal or Asherah or some of these others, New Testament, yeah. any other things. Yeah. He alone is worthy. Well, these other gods and goddesses of the nations, they didn't redeem you out of Egypt. They didn't do anything anything for you. In fact, the gods of the Egyptians, they were the ones enslaving you. Mm -hmm. I redeemed you. 
I drew out into this basically a covenant that's kind of like a marriage. I mean, Old Testament prophets talk about God wooing Israel. And it also talks about how Israel sleeps around. Yikes. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, there's... Um, let's take a look at the Exodus chapter 20. That's, um, that's a good passage for us to look at real quick. Exodus chapter 20. This is right at the beginning of the Ten Commandments. And so Moses is there on the mountain and with God, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. In Hebrew, they're just known as the Ten Words, but it's not obviously just ten individual words. It's like, hey, I'd like to have a word with you. So, then God spoke all these words, saying... I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. What does he mean by no other gods before me? Well, usually God's people worship them, right? So no worship to anyone else. No worship to anybody else. Yeah. This uh, idea is not about, not just about position. It's not about, you know, you shouldn't have any other gods. Like, I should be the first, and then it's okay if there are other gods and goddesses that you acknowledge. That's not, that's not it at all. It's, it's exclusive. In English, you would say before or after. Before or after, right. Or... In Hebrew, the way that this phrase, before me, what it, tr like, in its fullest sense, what it means is, in my presence. There will be no other gods or goddesses in my presence. It is I and I alone. Period. Part of the reason why God is that way Part of the reason why God commands exclusive devotion is because He knows that we tend to become like what we worship. We tend to become like what we worship, what we give our, our praise and adoration and devotion to. All right, now what prompted ancient people, okay, so think Bible times, right? What prompted ancient people to worship? Why did they worship? They wanted something? At its most basic level, yeah. A lot of times they wanted something. Yeah. Sometimes that was to offer thanks. Sometimes it was to kind of persuade or even coerce. Oh, you didn't ask for help? A lot of times, yeah. Trying to make sense of the world. Yeah. Plant growers tend to plant I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, to them, it explained the world because you know, things don't normally just happen without some kind of cause or agent making that thing happen. And so in a, in a world where you know, um, 
that is populated by all kinds of different spirits and things. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, honestly, yeah. If things go bad, well, it's 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 the fates in in Greek thought. Fate bound even the gods, according to different traditions of Greek thought. How can the gods even fight against fate? Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, a lot of times it was just customs of your family or your city. Well, these are our gods, and you have your gods, and these are ours, and you have yours, and okay, that's it. <laughs> Sometimes it was that easy. But it could be prompted, like we said, by a desire to earn favor from a more powerful deity who maybe could work on the behalf of the worshiper. Do non-religious people today worship things or people? I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Or even and even taking that a step further, what they hope they can get from what they do on their phone, mm -hmm. love, acceptance, popularity, reputation, money, yeah. Working can be. Yeah, very much so. Love of money. Not making time for God because I need more money. Yeah. Yeah. I think non religious people do worship things or people. Definitely, it's easy to worship uh, celebrities. They just constantly need to know. I, I get so tickled whenever we're in the line at the grocery store and it's either people people or us weekly or you know whatever else it is i'm like oh man i'm i'm really sad to hear that brad is suing angelina for whatever you know like that's a bummer well it's oh this 28 year old is now dating this 43 year old supermodel um that's bad because i think she's still married to somebody else you know anyway <laughs> what did you say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you get all your stuff uh, delivered straight to you, or you go pick it up, they put it in the back of your car. You won't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, like, yeah, you're not going to put it in the freezer section because you're trying to get out of there fast. Yeah. I think. Oh, in addition to celebrities, politicians. Yeah. Regardless of which party, politicians are worship, huh? Some some certainly act that way. Yeah, certain dictators in parts of Russia believe they're God as well. There's a sense of identity that I think some people get when they give their praise and adoration and worship to some of these other things. It's maybe proximity to something powerful and influential, I don't know, maybe help them, helps them feel fulfilled in some way. Why? I'm sorry I'm having to blaze through this, but we've gotten through almost a whole page of notes in about 13 minutes. 
that's fast for us. <laughs> I like us to just take the scenic route and talk about these things. Why do we worship God? Today, why do we worship God? Why else? Why do we worship God? He's given us so much, mm -hmm. and our worship is so uh, not insignificant to what He's given us, but it, it is a form of what we can give back to Him. Yeah, yeah. It's express, expressing gratitude. I am in, I, for years, I have only ever been around fellow classmates who are in biblical and theological and ministry studies. Um, and so now that we are in a neighborhood with you know, friends who don't go to church, and, you know, but we're around them all the time because our kids go to the same schools and stuff like that, I get to see people who don't go to church a lot more closely than I have for like the last, goodness, almost 20 years. because. Private Christian University from 2004 until 2020. I mean, that's a long time to to be surrounded almost entirely by church-going folks. And I see that something that people who go to church regularly, people Christians who are really being filled with the Spirit, probably the most noticeable thing I think we have that others don't is joy. It's joy. Yeah, there's some minor annoyances around in my life, sure. I grieve for people who have lost loved ones these last two years, especially these last two years, for the situation in Ukraine, for conditions, you know, in uh, Latin and South America that drive people to abandon their homes. Like, I, man, I grieve for that kind of stuff. But I, I'm not angry all the time. That's right. That's, that's part of it, too. Yeah. You're happy with yourself. I have a, despite some of these things, I have a sense of joy. That, you know, not, not just kind of plucky, oh, everything will be happy. But there is something greater that I, I can be glad about. And I can share that with people around me. What are some of the main ways we worship? Song. Song. We sing. Yeah. There are other activities too. But, yeah, Lord's Supper, we pray, teach and explain scripture, right? 
Um, why did God command singing and uh, worship with music? Old Testament and New Testament looks a little different, but why did God, why did God command that? Have you ever thought, why did God ask us to sing? Anybody? We're starting to get to it now. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. You probably have not thought that this verse necessarily has something to do with why you sing, but I will submit this hypothesis for us to test. I think that it will hold up. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 4. Capítulo 6, if that helps <laughs> anybody. Versículo 4, if we... Uh, no. <laughs> um, I... Give me a... I don't have my... Oh, uh, hang on. Um, I got it. Here it is. No, I have a Nueva Versión Internacional, and it gives the titles in English, and then it gives the rest of the text in Spanish, <laughs> and I don't know if I have a Reina Valera on here. Anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, a pretty familiar passage to the rest of us, but here we go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Jesus quotes slightly different variation of this heart, soul, mind, and strength in the New Testament. It means essentially the same thing. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. I think singing and music helps put that into practice. And I have a quote here that I want to read for us. Um, music offers people a medium through which to give expression to the broad dimension of their being. Song can incorporate the cognitive aspects of life, expressing in lyrics and in the structure of the music, the composer's conception of the world. But music also reflects the non-cognitive. It captures feelings, emotion, and mood thereby giving expression to what cannot be said through words alone. The music people create creates reflects their deepest thoughts and feelings, their greatest concerns and fears, their highest hopes and expectations. And music serves to confirm in ourselves and others the emotions and aspirations it captures. All right, so let's put that to the test a little bit. I'm going to pause our recording.